You're listening to the Silken Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soken Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me, defying the pattern that we'd established, are Leo and Syl. Oh. Lee. Oh. Uh. Ill? Sil? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Mine doesn't work either, but you gotta make it. Work. I mean, at, at least you have two syllables. I'm just Syl. That's I'm fair. just T. <laughs> <laughs> just say it doesn't work. All right, Jace, we tried to steal your bit, but you win this round. You win this round. This weekend is actually going to be Sokin's nine-year anniversary. It is the anniversary of the foundation of the Knights of Sokin, and through it, what would become the Sokin gaming community as a whole. Happy birthday, Sokin. Yay, streamers, party <sighs> balloons. Happy birthday. My daughter <laughs> is nine years old. It is hard to imagine this gaming community is the same age my as my youngest brother, child. My little brother is nine years old. Your little brother? Good gravy, Sil. Oh, uh, we have How a there's a large gap difference. Is it's there a, between it's, you? It's it's a large difference. Was your this might be personal, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Was your little brother a happy surprise? I don't know. I think that's totally. I have two little brothers. He's the younger one. I think it's totally possible. Um, also, they have a different uh, father than me, so. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's that's the general reason for the the gap. That makes a big difference. <laughs> Familiar I, complications. Yeah, right. I <laughs> when when my wife and I got together and we started planning for a family, I was adamant that I wanted three children, and we had two. And I'm happy. <laughs> like, no, we're good. We're we're done. We're good. Yeah, that makes sense. Three is three is too many. My mother used to pray that I was twins, and then when I was born, she went, "Never mind." <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness. I used to tell my little brother uh, that when my parents had me, I was so awesome that they wanted to have another, and then when they had him. <laughs> He was so terrible that they both got fixed and we have no other siblings. <laughs> I was not nice. My mother did admit to me at one point that if my brother had been the sibling that was born first, I would never have been born at all. I, you know, that's probably the case for me and both of my brothers too. If they came first, I would not exist. My parents uh, confided, well, my mom confided that in me too. <laughs> She's, she told me that I was a great little kid, so I was only... Let's say I wasn't necessarily lying to my brother when I told him that. <laughs> See, this is the real reason for different sibling stereotypes, because if if we weren't the way that older siblings are, we would just be only siblings. Only children. All right, You're whatever. darn right. I've had my flub for the episode. Oh, there'll be plenty more. There's names coming up. <laughs> well, alright, tonight we'll be typing into sequel talk with Crash Bandicoot 4 and reports of a live-action Lion King 2, as well as discussing Amazon's game streaming service to compete with Stadia. 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 85% on Metacritic, 98% from Google users, 8 out of 10 on IGN. The reviews for Crash Bandicoot 4, It's About Time, are pouring in and so far overwhelmingly positive. But the first question we have to ask ourselves is, is this because it's genuinely a great game? Or is it thanks to the psychology of nostalgia? On October 2nd, the newest title in the Crash Bandicoot saga released, and in the short time it's been out, has been praised as a fantastic sequel. Which sounds like an oxymoron. The thing is, Crash games aren't super complex, deep, or emotionally driven games. Do you think recreating the feeling of a game mostly fun for its gameplay is inherently easier than doing so for more story-driven games? Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, no. I don't think so. <gasps> Go ahead, Sil. <laughs> I mean, 
it the gameplay isn't hard to recreate, I don't think. I mean, maybe, you know, if it's a new developer or something, but if you're the same people that made the original game, you just basically do the same thing. I don't think Crash gameplay has changed much in its existence, except for the terrible racing games, which have totally different gameplay, but they're racing games, so, duh. This is a new development team, though, isn't it? I don't think so. Is it? Isn't, hasn't, uh, what is it called? Um, Toys for Bob. Haven't they always been doing Crash? I heard Naughty Dog did original Crash. Oh, you know what? I think that might be true. It's also entirely possible that studios have merged, changed names, or the IP has changed hands. I know that Toys <laughs> totally. for Bob has been involved in some of the previous Crash Bandicoot games, at least. I don't know if they're the primary developer, but they've been on it, at least. Regardless, it's a, it's a fairly simple gameplay plot. You know, you spin, you jump, you hit boxes, and you, you know, punch things. Play reverse Pac-Man. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree. L let me let me preface this by saying this is not my style of game. I definitely prefer the kinds of games that are more complex, deep, and emotionally driven. However, I do think there is a certain, I don't know, skill in designing these kinds of games to be entertaining to the kinds of folks that like these kinds of challenges. There are unique puzzles and there are, um, from everything I've seen, the uh, what's been retained from the original Crash games, and I think it was Crash uh, 1 through 3 are being um, respected with this one. And then all of the <laughs> Crash stuff is just kind of being dismissed. And this is, you know, assuming that Crash 1 through 3 are the only games in existence. That's and, pretty accurate. Um, it, from, from every, again, these aren't my thing. I haven't played any of these games. I don't know any of this firsthand. Only that the reviews I've listened to and read have, have praised this, um, what is it? Games by Bob is the developer? Yes. Or, um, or games for Bob games for Bob for not only capturing the the feel of the original Crash Bandicoot but also adding a number of el modern elements to the game that didn't exist before the there are like apparently certain masks you can get now that'll do like various super things like um, reverse gravity so that you you fly up to the top instead of fall to the bottom um, and a couple of other interesting things that do help you solve some of the puzzles in the game so i don't know i i i, I don't know the the bad reviews of other crash games i think is evidence that capturing the feelings of these kinds of games isn't necessarily easy to do i don't know though because like I, I think the games that have bad reviews is because they did something different i don't know that firsthand either i have not played all of the crash games i played uh one of the ones that's like the worst reviewed which i think was uh, I don't remember the exact name of it, like Rise of Cortex or something like that. Um, which I've read is one of the least liked Crash games ever made. Um, but like, it seems wildly different, uh, at, at, at least in like base story and uh, basic gameplay, I think, uh, than the other games. It's, it's like, they just did something different, people didn't like it. But this game seems to be recalling back to the... Uh, Back to the classics and i think that's just what people who are nostalgic for those classics want which i totally vibe with i'm fine with that but like i don't think it's that hard to do i can't help anytime i hear the someone use the word vibe i think of the character pigeon toady from the movie storks i don't know if you have seen that character i have not but leo let's vibe oh he's so funny but I always picture him in my Oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were vibing. Don't mind me. It's just my uh, my uh, doomer uh, lexicon. That's the word I was thinking. I, li I like the word vibing. It just, I cannot not think of that character. <laughs> oh, he's so funny. And you know what? One phrase indicating an entire character and invoking that feeling is a very doomer lexicon. <laughs> right? It's also very nostalgic. God help the 90s kids. Well, speaking of uh, 
the way back times. It's been 11 years since the Crash series released a new game. Sort of. In 2010 and 2019, developer Toys for Bob released Crash-themed racing games, and in 2017 they released the Insane Trilogy, which was a remastered edition of the three biggest games. What do you guys think keeps the hype for games like this alive for so long? Nostalgia. 100% it is. Like, these, this classic Maybe. era of, like, Naughty Dog uh, early PlayStation games, they're all just super, like, fun gameplay, they're all super simple, and they're just puzzle games, really, above all else. And they're just nostalgic. I think that's the only thing really keeping them alive. I, yeah, you're, you're not wrong in nostalgia for some. Um, but honestly, an aging player base is only going to pay so much to continue revisiting the same thing. And granted, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's probably lots of aging player base people willing totally. to pay for certain properties. But there's also a fair amount. Of, like Crash Bandicoot is a PlayStation exclusive, right? I think so. It was at one point. Okay. If it is not now, it is. It was at least at one point. I th I thought it like I thought it was a like a PlayStation invention. Like it was. I don't know if PlayStation like I don't, I don't know whatever. It was only on PlayStation. It like, it was originally a PlayStation exclusive. It seems that the Insane trilogy and uh, the fourth game, as well as the racing games, are on Xbox, according to Google. Oh, maybe that's what's wrong with them. <laughs> like how one of us used the Google machine. <laughs> All right. Well, I was going to say then, but it's it's wrong then. It's not a PlayStation push to continue bringing it to the forefront of, of like with advertising dollars and stuff. Um, I Yeah, nostalgia then in that case sounds like the reasonable course. Well, I, I don't know. There's some fairness to what you were going to say, that it's uh, maybe not specifically PlayStation, but I feel like PlayStation, Sony, rather, is, is probably the biggest part of it, because all of these games from that early PlayStation era are, you know, they're kind of all connected in a way. A lot of them are Naughty Dog or similar developers that uh, were originally PlayStation exclusives, because at the time it was the dominant console on the market. So I think they probably are involved in pushing it. Yeah, nostalgia I, I, for PlayStation. Yeah, and, and in fact, like I remember admitting during one of our tea times that I used to be a PlayStation fanboy. How dare you? Um, <laughs> look, I've learned the error of my ways. Um, but there were a bunch of PlayStation exclusives that I was a big fan of. But the truth is, like Crash Bandicoot was never one of them. Like it never, never struck me. Again, like I said, that's just not my style of game. I just don't. Like, in fact, the thing I didn't like or don't like about even a lot of modern games, my biggest criticism is that it just feels like a, quote, console platformer. And Crash Bandicoot is a console platformer. Oh, like 100%. That, that's all it, absolutely. it is. Uh, so, no, it, it, it's not my jam. But um, I do think for those who kind of cut their teeth on video games, um, I, I, I think for me personally... It probably came at a weird time um, where uh, like I wasn't I wasn't at a young enough age to appreciate you know just the simplicity of a game like that um, while I was still you know very much into console gaming I still preferred more complex games so Nah, it didn't. It didn't ring any bells for me. I have no idea why this thing is still alive. <laughs> to be quite honest, I think um, you mentioned earlier about aging fan bases. I think there is credit to give these games that, like Crash Bandicoot, uh, Sly Cooper, Spyro, these you know early PlayStation nostalgic games. They're all very cartoony and campy. So while the people who played them when you know we were younger, we wanted feel that again because of nostalgia but it also does work for a new generation like you give these kids these games to your kids and they'll enjoy them it's exactly the kind of thing a kid would want to play i think that's probably helping it is actually yeah. um those like these games specifically feature pretty prominently in my memories of uh my dad actually was the reason that i got into the gaming like that in general um I think the fact that like I played them with him is probably 
a fairly shared-ish experience, whether you're yeah. the parent in that scenario or the child, um, or whichever one you could be now. There's something to be said for that. I, I was I had the exact same experience. I was the child in that experience with my dad. We played Jack and Daxter together. Oh man. <laughs> let me let me let me weigh in as the old man in the room. <laughs> my, <laughs> it was like, well, as the father. <laughs> my parents never played video games with me. Uh, they didn't care for them, and they didn't like that I liked them. <laughs> really, that's shocking. <laughs> you live on that devil box. <laughs> yes, no, they would they would catch me at like midnight in my room playing my Nintendo, and they would be so mad. <laughs> um, but now, yeah, I'm. It's weird now thinking of the difference. Like you know the old meme of, um, you can't tell your mom or or for some reason your mom never believes that you can't pause an online game. <laughs> like we're the opposite of those parents. Like we get video games, and so we're always like, oh yeah, no, honey, go ahead and finish this level, and then we'll brush our teeth and get to bed. <laughs> Speaking of Sony's classic exclusives, they have been receiving a lot of attention in the last few years. On top of the Insane Trilogy, the Spyro franchise also released the Reignited title, which highlighted a trilogy of remastered Spyro games, and the Jack and Daxter trilogy was remastered and re-released on the PS4. Are there any other classic games you guys think developers might cash in on in the near future? It's been four years since the Ratchet and Clank title. The Jack and Dexter remake is reportedly going to be a PS5 launch title, so maybe we'll get a Jack 4? Please. Please. I want a Jack 4 so badly, you don't understand. I remember playing Oddworld uh, with my wife um, way back. Way back. Uh, I think it was Munch's Odyssey. Um, this was, man early 2000s i was we were at fort benning i was a brand new lieutenant and we had we had some time to kill and we played odd world together we played a bunch of games together um, my t and i were still in diapers yeah I was about probably to say. 2003 <laughs> 2002 sometime no, i was there. in like first grade or kindergarten or something i okay. was three <laughs> so no diapers uh Ah, you know that? Diapers? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not judging. I don't know your lives. But <laughs> um, I actually looked up Oddworld because I hadn't heard about it in so long. And I was like, man, we really dug that just because it was so silly and stupid and fun. Um, but there have been some new games that have come out. Um, in fact, this year, an Oddworld Soulstorm, but I haven't looked at, I haven't looked into it. I'm probably not going to play it but i remember like that was a lot of fun for us ah how how things change I, I like how you say that like it was just silly and fun but like isn't that one of the games where you find out that the meat packing plant you're working for is using its workers as the new mystery meat yes. oh god <laughs> oh wow uh i think that's the plot like, i played that game once man it stuck with me <laughs> It was that... the goofy protagonist, like the alien that you play as is goofy and silly and fun. And like, I don't know, even that like super dark um, concept, like in that framing, it, it, it seems comical almost. That reminds me of how um, Jack and Daxter was like super lighthearted and campy and fun. And then Jack 2 was so edgy. They added guns and like dark mode and it was crazy. <laughs> Those mid-2000s, man. Good times. Just want to play Sly Cooper again. A Sly Cooper, Cooper remake would be fun. I just, I remember um, as soon as the remake for the Jack trilogy came out on uh, PS4, I bought it. Played through the whole thing. Didn't play the racing game, because why bother? But, um, yeah, I, re I would love a Jack 4 so much, because that, it's one of the, it's also like, I, I criticized earlier the other games for being like not super deep and story driven, but the Jack and Daxter series past the first one are actually really heavy on story and they're really well written. I also remember enjoying Earthworm Jim from way back, uh, but I don't like it wasn't a PlayStation exclusive. Um, it's just 
it, it kind of fits the Crash Bandicoot theme in my head. Like, yeah, I can see that. It's a silly, campy, like, it doesn't try to get too deep into itself. Like, it's just for fun and goofs and laughs. And I, I remember enjoying playing Earthworm Jim too. The last thing I can see when I when I look up Earthworm Jim is 2010. So that's been a while. You guys ever played Destroy All Humans? No, I've heard about it. That was a game where you could just go around trying to abduct random things. <laughs> what was what's the premise of that? Obviously, abducting all humans. I'll, uh, I'll well, be you completely see, you, honest uh, with you. You destroy all humans. <laughs> I'll be completely honest with you, that is all I remember about the game, because I don't think I ever actually tried to play it. I was just <laughs> really amused by going around and picking up random cows. That's basically like, how I'm, I played Ration and Clank as a kid. Yeah, I'm not sure I could have figured out the plot if I'd tried, but I did not try. <laughs> Fun fact, the first Ratchet and Clank is uh, the first game I ever actually beat. Oh, oh yes. that actually is a milestone, because yeah. that's, that's a very different thing from a game you've played. Yep. I think the first game I ever beat was KOTOR 2, which I think explains a lot about me. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Certainly your obsession, maybe. Perhaps. I'd say like 90% of the games I've played, I've, I haven't beaten. I haven't even bothered. All those 100 percenters out there just listening, looking down on us. <laughs> I mean, I finished the story in most games, but like I'm not going for all the... I'm not trying to get the achievements. Why bother? Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I am a completionist, but I get bored <laughs> like some some part way through. I'm like, nah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, I've gotten all I'm going to get from this. <laughs> I'm a 100%er of the first 20% of the game. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, these classic games, whether you're buying them for the fifth time or for the first, have been a staple of console gaming for ages. And, like we've really just said, for a lot of us younger gamers, they were our first titles. Given the partnership a lot of these characters and the classics that spawned them have with active distributors, it's unlikely we'll see an end to nostalgic re-releases anytime soon, but at least it's not a live-action version. This is... Probably a lion we should have left sleeping. But The Lion King is one of Disney's most classic animated features from the Silver Age of animation. And its live action adaptation was not taken as an instant classic. Despite an all star cast, critics rated the movie very unfavorably, averaging at around a 55% mark, while fans were a little more lenient and gave it up to an 88%. The main critique fans presented was the lack of emotion in the character's animation, due to the overly realistic approach taken by director John Favreau. Despite this critique, go figure, a sequel is inbound. The first major question is, what is it about? All that's been stated so far is that we can expect more music, and that the story will have something to do with looking back on Mufasa's origin story. The original animation did have several sequels, so do you guys think any of them will be created for this CGI sequel, or are we getting an original story? Um, I don't know if Leo can relate to this, but while we were talking about being, you know, kids earlier, T, do you do you remember as a kid having like a few movies that you just rewatched like seventeen hundred times? Oh yes. So one of those movies. I for can me... relate to that. Wow, I'm really? not you. I'm not you had old movies enough when you were to a kid? not have movies that <laughs> I could have watched as a child. Were they okay. in black and white? <laughs> this one was not okay. okay well one of those movies for me was lion king one and a half which is a terrible movie but it's it was so funny to me as a kid that um, is uh that's the one with timon and pumbaa's yeah, like version right yeah so it's basically the re a retelling of lion king but from timon and pumbaa's perspective so you get their origin story and how they met and then everything they were doing while simba was off being a hero and it's really dumb but it's it's pretty funny um i'm pretty certain that that's not what this movie is going to be I'm, I'm thinking based on what i've heard especially the mufasa origin story stuff it's probably going to be an original story i think i okay so my movie that i watched as a kid was the old disney sword in the stone 
um, where Arthur was called Wart for a while, and he met Merlin, uh, and he got turned into a bunch of different animals. Have you guys seen it? It's a classic. Mad about a mim. Yes, it's a it's a great movie. I still like I, it, but I've seen neither of those. Ah, uh, no, Mad Madam Mim. She's a character in okay. the Sword and the Stone. Um, anywho, great movie, but I I can't watch it. I've seen it like a thousand times, <laughs> and I I remember coming home from work, not work, whoa, coming home from school, <laughs> and insisting that my parents pop in the it was a VHS tape. Um, my wife had a similar experience with the Aladdin cartoon. Like she just wanted to watch it over and over and over. And over. Um, anywho, so I, I saw a very interesting theory, um, and a very interesting proposal that I think would actually be really good for this. I think it has to be an original story, partly because of, of what you brought up still about, um, Lion King one and a half that all the sequels as far as i know were like straight to dvd like they were they weren't put out in theaters they weren't these huge disney productions not necessarily that i won't say disney isn't proud of them but let's just say um disney didn't have a lot of faith in their box office power no i think that's uh, fair animated sequels rarely ever get a lot of attention from disney well, uh, yeah, I agree. That's true. Except for Frozen 2. <laughs> I've seen both Frozens. I thought they were both really good in their own regard. Anywho, the the theory that I really liked, that I think would be a really good story, is the um, continuation of Simba, his story as, you know, the leader of the pack, um, and flashbacks to Mufasa's origin, and the linking of those two, because a good bit of Simba's story was trying to live up to Mufasa's example. And I think it would be a really good story to see where Mufasa wasn't always the kind of wise old lion um, that he was portrayed as in the first Lion King, to see him stumble the same way Simba stumbles. And I think that would actually be a very compelling way to tell that story, to show how, you know, they're each having to learn how to be the lion that they aspire to be. So based on that theory, do you think that the Simba part of that story might have to do with what was in Lion King 2 with his daughter? You are assuming that I have watched any of them, and I have not. <laughs> I... I don't remember any of it other than he has a daughter and she like runs it's, off with some bad lion. It's basically uh, Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, essentially. Oh, interesting. No. I, the I original Lion King is just a retelling of Hamlet. Oh, no, you're getting you're getting way too cerebral here, <laughs> T. Listen, the one that I watched on loop was Spirit Stallion of the of the Cimarron, so... Spirit Stallion of the what? I don't even know what you just said. Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. It is a story about a, a wild horse that uh, has a bond with the Native American as they... <gasps> I do know that movie! Yeah, as they reject the capitalistic cowboy invasion of the Midwest. Oh, no. I've never seen that. Interesting. Also, apparently, Younger Me was really obsessed with Frosty the Snowman to the point where I broke it, and they had to throw out the entire VHS player to get me to stop watching it. <laughs> but I don't remember that. So. My parents got to the point where, like, it was just an eye roll, and they would just hand me the tape, or just say yes, and then they would leave the room and go do something else while I watched however long, 90 minutes of The Sword in the Stone. All right, well, according to reports from Digital Spy, Jon Favreau will not be returning to take the lead on the Lion King sequel. Instead, allegedly, Moonlight writer and director Barry Jenkins will be taking over as the director of the film. 
Do you think Jenkins will act on some of the negative critiques presented to the first film and make it more enjoyable for fans? Keep in mind, it's already been reported that they will continue using the photorealistic animation, despite one of the original 1994 film's animators, David Steffen, being open about his distaste for the appearance of the film. Didn't the live-action Lion King make an absurd amount of money? Like a billion? Oh, yeah. Okay, they had Beyonce. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to try to get Beyonce again. I can't imagine they wouldn't. But if you have something that has been, quote, criticized, but still makes a billion dollars, I mean, no. Why would you change anything other than, you know, make a better story, a further story? I don't know. Well, I think that um, going into the first quote-unquote live action um people went to see it for the same reason people bought crash bandicoot 4 for nostalgia you know if they know lion king they're gonna go see the lion king again but like now people saw it the people who didn't like it didn't like it and i think that them doing it again making something new people are gonna know ahead of time now like oh i don't like how it looks so maybe i won't go see it that said i don't think it would hurt their sales enough that they would need to change it in order to do better but I don't know maybe i i will only say i have been uh when it comes to a lot of the like review sites that the i'm privy to where there's a difference between like quote professional reviewers and the quote audience i have sided with the quote audience every time in recent memory and as the quote professional reviewers have taken issue or not with various things i have found them to be um either uh, uh politically motivated or they've been um like there's there's some other issue at play than whether or not this is a good movie that people enjoy and um in this case the fact that the quote audience i mean 88 percent. i mean it's not perfect but it is pretty good I think they have a good recipe, uh, and I, I think it would be silly to change it now. Yeah, I think you have a very good point. I'm going to add on to that and say that there is a third party, in my opinion, that people overlook when it comes to critiquing uh, films, and that is people within the industry. I don't consider professional, quote-unquote, professional critics uh, to be part of the same mindset or part of the same group as people who are actual filmmakers actually in the industry who might have their own critiques of movies um animators like uh david stefan i assume is how his name is pronounced um i would consider him part of the industry and the fact that he doesn't like how it looks means something to me but that said i'm gonna fall back on uh something i say often the difference between good and entertaining movies i think the lion king was fine i don't think it was exceptionally good but i don't think it was bad at all i think it was uh it was a fine movie and it was definitely entertaining so yeah all in all i mean i think you're right they probably don't need to change anything to to make money yeah it, i i think i completely agree with your point there there is a there's a big difference between a good movie and an entertaining movie totally and i have i know i have my own guilty pleasures of movies that I think are bad, but that I still love because I'm just entertained by them. Most of them are stupid, idiotic comedies, <laughs> and my wife cannot understand why why I enjoy it because I'm usually so critical of um, media. But uh, yeah, that, that I mean that's certainly my guilty pleasure. Um, but I, I do agree that there there certainly are some fundamental elements of movies that can make them. Uh, as a film bad but still entertaining um, and that uh, I agree could could skew some of that score but I don't know like professional quote critics I don't like they're not folks that whose opinion I value anymore like I find them nonsensical you know I, I completely agree with you um, having you know gone through film school and uh, working in the indie film uh, industry in, in my area I think um I've learned to not really take critics seriously, but at the same time, I also really don't take fan reviews very seriously. Um, 
because, and this may be controversial to fans, but I don't think fans know the difference between good and entertaining. I think for, for the most part, people are entertained by a movie, and to them, that's worth a 100% review. And I don't agree with that at all. And I think that you probably don't either, Leo. You're, you're Like you said, you're very critical of media, even if you like it most of the time. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just being a little too pompous, <laughs> but I don't really take anybody's... Uh, critique super seriously unless they know what they're talking about yeah no that's fair but the truth is i'm a layman like i i don't know anything about film production i just have the things i think i know like about silly stuff like human nature oh somebody wouldn't do that or i mean the military i do know so like if i see military movies i'm like oh they there's no way that would happen or blah 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 like i get really judgy about stuff i think i know about <laughs> lions i don't know <laughs> i don't know anything about lions so i don't know if maybe i'm more forgiving because of that my own acknowledged ignorance of the subject you guys know my taste in movies i'm not even gonna try <laughs> but speaking of its cast that was one of the most well-liked parts of the 2019 film they included big stars like james Earl jones beyonce seth rogan Billy Eichner, and a big-time favorite of Sills, Donald Glover. Mm. Given that Lion King is pretty centralized around its signature characters, are we likely to see most of these big stars return? Or do you think we're gonna have to take it down a notch for a sequel? No, I, I think there's already been a big budget planned, and I think it's in large part because of the um, actors, or voice actors. Yeah, I mean, James Earl Jones, 100%, if it, especially if it's a uh, Mufasa origin story, he'll be back. I think Donald Glover and Beyonce are most most likely going to be back. Um, man, anytime, anytime we end up talking about Donald Glover, Zendaya, or uh, uh, Idris Elba, I'm just going to be sitting here like, yes. <laughs> I remember your, it's Zendaya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, I can't believe you guys said Zendaya. Shame on you. As a general um, reminder to anyone who listens to this podcast, I don't pronounce anyone's name right. So if I mangled yours or someone you know, I'm so terribly sorry. <laughs> She's called me Leo so many times. It's <gasps> crazy. It's pretty hard to mispronounce a one-syllable name, so I haven't had that problem. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, they'll, all the all the biggest names will definitely be back. I don't know. It's it's possible we won't get uh, John Oliver as, uh, what is his name, Zazu? Is that, is that how you say his name? I don't know. I never or, saw it. Anyway. I literally just said I can't pronounce names. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the Bird, whatever his name is. I don't know that we'll get John Oliver back. It's possible we won't get Seth Rogen and Billy Eckner again. I don't know. It, it depends on which characters they put into it, especially if it is an original story. But I would be shocked if we don't get Beyonce and Donald Glover back. This seems like Disney is putting a whole lot of budget and a whole lot of... Um... Uh, let's say resources into uh, into this uh, sequel I, and because the original like how do I say this this isn't the modern day straight to DVD sequel um, that we used to see this is the modern day straight to theater sequel post Star Wars and Marvel era for sure um, and I, I think as they're putting um, this kind of budget and this kind of emphasis on this, uh, I don't see any justification for that other than attracting these names. There isn't anything more expensive than that in the production of something like this. Yeah, I think I think you're spot on. Uh, it's not a one and done system anymore. They're they're open to franchises now. They've realized if that you hit if you hit the cash cow again, it gives them more money beat the dead horse i think it depends on how you hit it i think they <laughs> they hit it in the wrong spot with star wars oh. um but, but they I did think... get the money <sighs> yeah they and that's it... what matters yeah yeah all right well little news has been announced so far other than a vague leaked plot from deadline and the movie is not yet slated for production or for release so It'll be a while before we get details on the questions we've posed today or whether or not it's an original story, really, because I didn't know Disney did those anymore. But 
It's just the circle of life. Ever since the release of Google Stadia, the question of success has been hard to define. For some of us classic console or PC gamers, the idea of streaming your games instead of owning them in some way is a little confusing, but for those who have taken the dip into Stadia, there's been some pretty positive reviews. Android Authority referred to Stadia as the future of gaming if you have the data for it. All this said, Amazon has been working their way up to making game streaming a competitive market. Way back in April, Amazon pushed their official announcement of Project Tempo, their own game streaming service, to 2021. But late last month, they came out with it a little earlier than expected. The service, now officially titled Luna, is a competitor to Stadia, competitor to Stadia in which games will be streamed without the necessity of downloading, and will apparently be playable on PC, Mac, and iOS. Do you think competition for Stadia will end up making game streaming a better service over time? I am... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'd call myself a capitalist. I don't, I don't think that's a good word. But I, I do think that competition, when it comes to corporations, you know, in fact, when it comes to just any type of organized group of people, competition is one of the best ways to ensure that those multiple and quote competing groups bring their best to the table without competition um, there is the propensity to grow lazy uh, and to grow complacent and i think um, my i have some experience working for the u.s government for instance and there is no competitor to the US government when it comes to a lot of the services that they provide. So in some sense, I have been really disillusioned with a lack of competition. I find competition fantastic for requiring groups to hone what it is that they want to provide. I think the entire Gen Z audience we have just cringed when you said capitalism. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> um, Commercialist, but not a capitalist. I, I don't know what the term is, but yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. I do agree with you. I think competition is good for uh, an open market. Um, I don't know that competition is going to help game streaming as much as maybe people are hoping it will, because I feel like the main problem with game streaming is just that classic PC console game or gamers uh, just don't want to be a part of it i think at least that's that's my issue in particular and i, I know that that's uh, the issue some people uh who i've spoken with uh, about it have as well is just like the fact that you don't own your games the fact that you're paying a monthly subscription service to play a, a limited series of titles it's just not worth it i do think the the limitation on titles might get better uh over over time but like then what happens are you do you have to you know, subscribe to all of them like you do with Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus to see everything. If you want to play everything, you have to have all of them. Like, what, what, what does it become ultimately? There's something to that, um, but I, I don't know. Like, I remember, I, I used to game a lot with my father-in-law, for instance, um, a, a different generation from my own, who has a, I would say, a near obsession to like owning the. <laughs> the cartridge or the disc of the game that he's playing and that wasn't an issue for me at all when it came to just downloading games from services like steam um i'm i'm totally okay with downloading a game and playing it whereas he had to have the disc like it was hard for him to let go of that i'm not sure he ever really has um for me i don't know like being able to download something is fine for me and i think as the generations do we simply become more accustomed to whatever is the technological norm of the day and if it is true that this is the way gaming is going and it may very well be um which 
it does seem odd to me, but the truth is I can, like my, I know my father-in-law found it really odd that I was willing to just download a game instead of have a disc or a cartridge. But this may be the direction things are going. And if that's so, competition is only going to make it better. So I don't know. We'll see. I do think it was probably around like maybe 2009 or 10. There was like a huge shift from uh, hardware to just download uh, gaming, uh, digital gaming rather. Like, you know, back in the day, they did all the like pre-order, like you get a uh, pre-order Halo, you get like this uh, helmet or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like that used to be the thing, you know, you collect stuff, everyone wanted stuff. Yep. But for some for some reason, or as the digital age progressed, I guess... Uh, people just stopped caring about stuff so well, how much how much room do you have no yeah <laughs> like... i mean that's true at some point you just stop caring about stuff i think that's more of an age thing but I, I don't know i think it's it's also become that way for younger people as well like kids play games all the time obviously and pe they don't want stuff either they'd rather have the digital uh pre-order bonuses i've i've honestly never been interested in like a, a physical object I, like i got a t-shirt from ESO one time for entering a contest of theirs and yeah I wear it because it's a t-shirt and it it fits my uh let's say inflating body um uh but like if it was like a figurine like what in the world am I gonna do with that uh I'd much rather have something in the game that I'm playing because all of that stuff is transient and temporary um the the fact that i like a game now yeah i might always like that game but i'm not always going to be playing it i don't want something permanent for it i think gamers have realized that especially with i I'm, i don't know if it's necessarily a generational thing as it is a just a um a huge and diverse group of options like we can there's so many games we can play and um the idea of having something physical for those we're most attached to seems kind of silly because it's a lot of games. I think it's also worth mentioning that, um, and I don't know if this is like a generational thing or like an era thing, um, but I think we're getting more and more used to the idea that we don't actually own a lot of the things that we own, um, whether that's mortgages, car payments, like we don't technically own this thing that we have on a payment process because technically the bank owns it so you know what's not owning a couple of video games or credit union if you're smart about it <laughs> all, our <laughs> all our young listeners are just like what's happening Leo, i've never paid taxes don't make me pretend to be an adult <laughs> <laughs> but no i mean that's a good point too um although i don't, I don't know i don't know how different that is than than previous generations like my parents have had to deal with mortgages and car loans and stuff as have my generation as has yours it could also go the other way where it's like we're used to not owning other things so like we really don't want to lose this one thing it's possible <laughs> maybe it is however unfair to call stadia the only competitor amazon is going up against considering microsoft's xcloud platform Microsoft is the first of these three tech giants to dive into gaming, which they did ages ago at this point, so they have the established connections with developers and distributors already that allow xCloud to have a wider variety of games. Given Amazon's recent attempts to get into gaming, albeit with some difficulties in the market, do you think they or Google will ever be able to properly compete with the company that just bought out Bethesda? Eh. <laughs> think so <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i think um i mean i i said it last week there's three gaming giants right and that's microsoft sony and nintendo i think nintendo's never going to get into game streaming unless they do it themselves most likely i have to say the only way that google or amazon could ever properly compete with microsoft is if they get sony on their side Otherwise, they're just going to keep working with whatever Microsoft will let them have, or just third-party developers. I agree with that. Um, Nintendo kind of has their own weird thing 
going on. Not weird. It's not the right word. They're just kind of on their own. It's a different thing. Yeah. You see Microsoft and Sony um, neck and neck. Every time, well, they're constantly in competition. They're releasing consoles within months of each other. Like they're constantly warring for uh, superiority in the in the gaming world. Amazon is dipping its toe into gaming. They're developing games. I'm actually, uh, I'm psyched. I'm 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 keeping my fingers crossed. I'm trying not to get so hyped that I become disappointed but they're developing another um lord of the rings mmo oh my goodness am i am i hopeful for that (laughs) um not that amazon necessarily knows what they're doing because i'm not sure they do but i'm hoping they learn important lessons along the way um up to that point to actually do that game justice uh lord of the rings is my favorite um genre my favorite whatever universe um i'm oh i so hope that that's a a thing anywho the the point is amazon has the money to be a competitor to microsoft and sony amazon i think if anyone can do it it's amazon i'm hoping that their toe dipping into gaming um has been enough to equip them and perhaps this push is their next toe in the water this is a lesson that they're going to learn um but i'm hoping that they do provide some competition um they're well positioned to do it i think simply because honestly they're making more money than they know what to do with right now um particularly with like nobody going outside everybody just ordering stuff online um please amazon do this right and do it well i don't know i don't know that they will or they can i think uh you know like you said they've been dipping their toes in hopefully they're learning from it but microsoft sony nintendo third-party developers they've all been around for years you know and some of them they don't have. do yeah. it right. Zenimax was having money troubles before Microsoft bought them out. But, you know, they've been around for ages. They know what gamers want. They know how to make what gamers want. And I, I, clearly Amazon's toe dipping so far has not been super helpful. Or, well, I don't know. Maybe it's been helpful to them. But it hasn't been super popular. And uh, I don't know. To be fair, I guess you learn more from your failures than your successes, right? So maybe it's good for them but we'll see if you're smart about it i hope they're smart about it that's true and i mean amazon is a fairly smart company i mean they make a hell of a lot of money so i guess we'll see you know ridiculous sums of money we did talk about stadia a while back and basically said the same thing that we'd try it after some time but we weren't really committed to it it's been some time do you guys think you'll give luna a shot if not stadia or xcloud Probably not. <laughs> After all that. Probably. Honestly, same. Probably not. Maybe another, like, I don't know, when the, when that competition uh, grows and hopefully makes the market better. And odds are uh, it's going to be, like, Netflix and uh, all that, where maybe over a, a longer period of time, consoles and PC will, or at least the classic way we game on those platforms, will maybe die out, and this will be all we have left. So... When that happens, sure. Till then, probably not. Mm. Yeah, I, I really don't like, honestly, the idea of just the the concept of gaming like this. It all comes down to how fast is your internet. Even um, a, a game that wouldn't normally be restricted that way is still restricted that way with this, um, with this design. Yeah. Um, and I find, uh, I live not in the boonies but i live far enough outside of a like metropolitan area same that my internet is not as good as i'd like it to be so there's no way i would do this yeah t said it perfectly earlier android authority called it the future of gaming if you have the data for it and i don't think most americans do 
Right. I agree. Um, I think that will change over time. Yeah. Eventually, more people will get there, but I'm not there. Yeah. So basically, what we're saying is we'll play Fortnite on Stadia. Uh, yeah, I'll commit to that right now. <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah, I'll commit to that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll commit to never actually doing it. Exactly. <laughs> The subscription gaming service is currently in early access for $5.99 a month, and Amazon is going to be releasing a custom controller of their own to match. No reviews are published so far, but games announced for Luna as of yet include Assassin's Creed Valhalla, Resident Evil 7, Watch Dogs Legion, and a few more notable titles that I'm sure we'll talk about eventually. It's tea time, boys, and I have potentially the strangest question I've ever asked. Is there a sequel out there that is better than the original? This is not the strangest question you've ever asked. You say that only because I just reminded you about the one question about the Hulk and Bees. <laughs> yes. Okay. But I stand by my statement. <laughs> Um, the most impossible question I've ever asked. <laughs> no, I, I I don't think it's impossible at all. Um, Terminator 2 is superior to Terminator. Uh, I agree with and, that completely. I, and I think that it's the best movie in the entire Terminator timeline. Judgment Day? Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I do think that is a sequel that's better than the original. Um as far as as far as movies go um for games um it, that's a it's a kind of a different animal because so much changes between games that's true I feel, I feel like that's an easier question to answer with games I agree what what do you got so uh well I mean going back to Jack and Daxter from earlier Jack 3 is the best one in the series by far Mass Effect 2 is the best uh, Mass Effect game oh I'm a way out of my depth both of those <laughs> i don't know i mean as far i've only played witcher 3 but as far as i've heard it's probably the best one in the series i was gonna say for games witcher 3 yeah. better than witcher 2 which was better than the witcher um witcher 3 is magnificent um but i think it's a little easier with games it definitely is you, you you get improved technology you you can make games better and you can improve mechanics um and i think even just the um the the modes of storytelling are a little better in uh in games as time progresses like you get you get weird little things like do the uh the npc you're talking to do are they going to be voice acted well that's something modern games have that older games don't okay if they're voice acted do the um avatars of those characters like do they speak like do their mouths move as if they're speaking those words well that's a much more modern facet of, For sure. of gaming and i think those all kind of coalesce to make a game quote better so portal 2 fallout new vegas oblivion yeah yep <laughs> all sequels all best in their franchises in yep, my opinion agreed. at least it, um i have for gaming it's hard not to do that i think yeah. movies is is tougher i think you're spot on um i have one that's not a movie or a game. Um, so I have an HBO Max subscription. Uh, and For the skin flicks? Yeah. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, for the cool shows, man. Sure. Yeah. No, me too. And <laughs> one such show, they have a bunch of Cartoon Network stuff on there. So I've been rewatching some of my old uh, cartoons that I grew up with. And the one I'm on right now is the Ben 10 series. Uh, the first Ben 10 show is very, it's very much for kids, it's super childish. It has uh, an overarching story to a degree, but the episodes are all super, you know, episodic. And that overarching story doesn't really connect as much as it should. However, uh, the show gets, it, it's been rebooted a bunch. Um, but I'm only going to bother with the more connected uh, reboots, the first like two reboots. Um, and the first one is called Ben 10 Alien Force. And it's 
a slightly more adult show. Uh, the characters are a little older. It basically takes the Ben 10 original show and is like, hey, this happened, but also some of the stuff didn't happen. Not all of it's canon. Um, so they do defy the canon a little bit, uh, and it's the original creator even said it's more of a reboot than a sequel, but it's treated like a sequel, and I think it's significantly better. Interesting. I've I've not followed Ben 10 outside of, you know, just watching it as it's on on like the Cartoon Network with my kids. Um, it seems like it has the potential to be an interesting show, but I I think I've only ever seen the the ones you cited as like more for kids. I might be interested to see the more uh, grown up versions because it I, looks like a cool concept. It, it it is a cool concept. Like it's definitely a kids show. Even the even the later reboot ones are you know yeah. it's a kids show for sure but like they tackle more slightly more adult topics it has a much better uh, connected storyline um like i'm halfway through alien force right now i just finished the first season and the whole first season has one storyline that they keep following and even though the episodes are episodic they all circle back except for like two episodes are non-canon yeah interesting i might have to check it out that that sounds cool it's pretty it's pretty interesting what about you, T? I mean, like, I can list a couple things. Like, uh, I liked the whatever the Transformers movie was with the dinosaurs in it. Um, Ew, why? Better than the original Transformers. Um, I don't know why. I just brain like sparkly things going off. <laughs> um, I don't agree with you, but I respect your opinion. <laughs> I didn't say... All right, it was one of those... It was entertaining. It wasn't good. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's fair. I won't... Yeah. To be fair, um, none of the Transformers movies are actually good. Yeah, no, it, in terms of comparative markets, the bar is super low. Um, I mean, I can say that Empire Strikes Back was better than A New Hope. <gasps> oh, yes. accurate. Totally agreed. Um, I agree with you on Mass Effect. I think 2 was the best of the Mass Effect games. Um, I also think that KOTOR 2 was better than KOTOR 1. I believe um, that was the first video game you finished. So it was. That makes sense. It was sense. also another one of Obsidian's games, and they also made Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> Which is the best Fallout. You know, everything Obsidian touches thrives. Ooh, our UPM uh, Danny just said The Dark Knight, which is absolutely the best of the of the Christopher Nolan trilogy. What I was really trying to think of is, um, I, I don't know if you guys have read them, The Dresden Files? I've heard of it. I don't picture? remember if I read them or watched them. I think I was watching them. Honestly, I always forget that there was actually like a television show for a little while. Yeah, yeah, they were okay. Because <laughs> I would definitely say the later books in that series are probably better than the original, but I enjoyed them all anyway. It was really interesting. Um, I remember being rather fascinated by the concept, um, underwhelmed by the show, but I had heard that the books were much better. As is normally the case. Yeah. On, on the topic of books, here's how you know I'm a doomer. I read the first five Percy Jackson books. Um, hey, and none I of the too. ones after that. <laughs> uh, oh, no, I kept going. Oh, really? Why? <laughs> I tried. I was uh, like, nah, to do. I can't do it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, the fifth book in that series is incredible. It is. I've read none of them. I watched the first movie. Oh, and no. Was, Don't do that I to had, yourself. Yeah, man. I was not. I wasn't Literally, happy with myself. There's a reason that series didn't continue in movies. Okay. We, we watched. So I watched the uh, the Percy Jackson movie with my dad because he knew I'd read the books or whatever, right? I think we got 10 minutes into the movie. We turned off the audio and we started making up our own dialogue to try and figure out what was going that's on That's the way to do it. And that was a much better movie. I just That's how you have to watch that movie. That sounds great. How do you cut Clarice out of the book? Or out of the movie? Oh. She's so vital. I don't even know who Clarice is. Nah, so. it doesn't matter. If you would like to submit a Tea Time question for the podcast, or hey, even if you just think that we're wrong or we missed the best sequel head on over to SoakingGaming.org slash SoakingMedia and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Soakin Podcast. For more Soakin Media, visit us at SoakingGaming.org slash SoakinMedia, follow our Twitter at SoakinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Soakin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T.
I'm Syl, and it still doesn't work with one syllable, so I'm not going to bother. I mean, it doesn't work for me either, but I try. <laughs> I sile and... Ugh. Low. I don't know. I tried. There wasn't much to work with. But we'll see you next week. Stay classy, Soken. Thank you for listening to the Soken Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Soken Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokengaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?